I'm so excited uh, to share this word with you guys this morning. I feel um, like the Lord just gave me confirmation after confirmation um, this morning, um, just through even starting walking in, um, just the prayer Blaine was praying over uh, today. It just confirmed so much. And Josephine came up to me right before I came in and gave me another confirmation that this is what the Lord wants to speak on this morning and, and, and worship too. Um, just amazing. So I'm so excited to share it with you guys, and I'm just going to hop right into it um, and get going. Um, but for my title today, um, I were I felt the Lord say healing balm. So we're going to dive in a little bit into what that looks like. Um, and we're going to start out in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 6 to you guys. So Isaiah um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 it says, oh, how this nation keeps rebelling, or I'm sorry, oh, how this nation keeps sinning. See them dragging the heavy burden of their guilt. They are corrupt children, descendants of evildoers. They have turned their backs on the Lord and despised the Holy One from Israel. They have cut themselves off from the help of God. Why would you seek to be injured further? Why would you stubbornly continue to your rebellion? Your whole head is sick and your heart and your will are weak and faint. You are corrupt from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. There is no integrity, nothing but bruises, petrifying sores, and raw open wounds. They have not been drained or bandaged or soothed with oil. So this is talking to a nation of rebellion. So the Lord just really had me soak on this verse, especially verse 6. I found myself just soaking on what he revealed in this single verse. Um, and so as we know, the Lord died for our sins and his blood covers us as believers. So when, we wa- when we're walking with Jesus and we ask Jesus into our life, we are cleansed with his blood and made completely new. So made new means now the Lord sees us with no wounds on us, which is our inheritance when we yield our heart to the Lord. So as it went on to describe in verse 6, it talks about those open wounds. It says the petrifying sores, the uncleansed, the untouched. And it's describing what state we are in if we don't have Jesus in our lives. So as a nurse, my mind went crazy. I mean, I love wounds. They're very interesting to me. Um, So my mind just went all over the place with it. And I promise I'm not going to get too gory with you guys. Um, But I do, thank you. Noah would thank me too. Um, But as a nurse, like I said, it just got my mind going of thinking about what does a wound look like if it's untouched and uncleansed and it's not, it's raw and it's open and it has no bandage on it. So just to give you some insight, like I said, I'll give you a basic um, process of what it looks like to wash a wound. So wound care as a nurse, it looks like washing a wound with soap and water. Um, applying dressings to protect the wound. Um, usually we put gauze around them just because foreign materials will rub up against the wound and it will cause people pain, mostly like the hospital beds or everything. Like if you leave an open wound open, it's, it's going to hurt if it touches bed sheets or the bed or um, walking around. And sometimes with wound care, there's pain. There's It's painful when you're um, getting your wound cleansed. And so most of the time we do give pain medication during a a wound care. So then also there's debridement that can take place, which if that needs to happen to get rid of some of the dead tissue, so new can form or antibiotics are given sometimes, um, 
if a wound becomes too infected because they want to prevent it from getting worse and worse and worse. Um, or worst case scenario, sometimes amputation is the way to salvage um, good flesh and bone because sometimes the, the infection can get so much to the bone that it spreads and it can get worse everywhere in your body. They feel burning. They feel the wound and surrounding tissue is warm and sensitive to touch. And um, sometimes the wound can even become numb to them, which is actually a very, very bad sign because it's showing that the wound's gotten so worse that it's affected that's the extremity, and you can't feel when you touch the wound at all. So it means the wound's very deep. And also, as we know, they can be smelly or foul, um, which indicates infection. So we can all agree wounds are uncomfy and bothersome. They're gross, and they're not fun. Um, so now going to back to Isaiah, the Lord, like I said, just had me soaking on, like, what does it look like to have a wound that's not touched by him, that's not cleansed by him, that doesn't have his hand on it? Um, and that's what it looks like when you have your back turned to the Lord. There's wounds. So the wounds symbolize our sins without Jesus' blood cleansing them. So looking at it from a perspective of spiritual wounds, um, I'm going to sort of break it down as like, um, I, with the no cleansing, so if we're not washing with soap and water, like I said, that wound gets worse and worse and worse, and it festers, and it gets worse. And like I said, um, a infection can become numb. So looking at it from a spiritual perspective or, like, emotional perspective, um, sometimes we become numb to our situation, and we give up, and we forget. We forget the spiritual wound that's there because we've become so numb to it that we're just walking in it and we don't even realize it's there or it's festering and it's getting worse because the Lord's not touching it. So um, as the nurse in me wants to educate you on diabetics, um, because we always educate diabetics because they have numbness in their feet. So we always tell them, make sure you're checking your feet at night to make sure there's no sores there. So are we checking our wounds with the Father? Are we asking him to speak into those wounds and to reveal to us about those wounds. Um, so looking from a spiritual perspective, no bandaging a wound. So your wound is vulnerable, and it's at a place where any situation can poke into that wound. So something that you've had a wound there, and you didn't realize that, um, for an example, maybe say uh, your mother left you when you were younger. So then it left you at this vulnerable place of you feel like you're not good enough, and then you have somebody else come into your life that you love, and they leave your life too. And it's, it's the enemy just decides to poke at that wound. He decides you're not worthy enough. Nobody likes you. It's, he starts to feed you lies and poke at that wound and make you think you're not worthy. So no pain medication. So thinking about getting no pain medication as you're getting wound care, there's no soothing remedy um, to have to to take that pain away. So you rely on anything to fix it. So um, sometimes as not like in non-believers and also when we partner with lies as believers, um, we'll rely on anything to fix that wound. So an example is you say your daughter left you when you were younger and the only way to cope is to drink. So you've turned to alcohol to cope, to soothe that pain because you think it's going to take away that pain, but really it's not fixing the issue at all. And the thinking of no de- no debridement was really cool too, because there's no, so no new flesh can start. 
is what you're thinking. So they're getting rid of that dead tissue during debrement. But instead of having the Holy Spirit speak into our wounds, we allow others to dictate who we are. So say you let a friend speak to a wound that they've also been wounded on. And their hurt is put into words. And when they give advice to you and you partner with their words instead of what God says about you. So this causes your wound to stay stagnant and unrepaired, and which then leads to death of the tissue because you're not uh, paying attention to it. So non-believers are trying to soothe their wounds with anything that they can get relief with. They're looking for anything to soothe their wounds, to cleanse their wounds. And we all know as believers, this is not possible without Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who cleanses our wounds. He is the one, the only one that can mend our wounds fully, fully, not just part, fully. So we too, as believers, know these wounds because we've faced them as well. In times, like I said, when the enemy tries to feed us lie and we entertain it, um, we realize that there's physical, there's emotional, there's mental, there's spiritual. We face these regularly, um, but we are learning, or you have learned in your past, of how to partner with the Lord through that wound. So we're walking in that. So we know that there's a remedy to it. We know that there's, there's something, Jesus, that will fix it. And he knows how to speak into us. He knows how to give us life. So do we have eyes to see the uncleansed better is really what the Lord was telling me is like, are we looking at people who don't know Jesus like this, an open wound? Like, are we seeing them from the perspective of things that we've walked through? Are we seeing that on them as well and, and seeing them and having better eyes to be understanding and to be loving and to see how they are only handling it with a worldly perspective because that's all they know. That's all they know. It's blinders on for them. They don't know truth. They don't know how to fix the wound. They've, they don't know the remedy. They don't know the remedy. So we believer, we as believers have this healing cure to offer the world, to mend all of our wounds. Like I said, Jesus heals all of our wounds, not just some, all of our wounds. So are we sharing Jesus the remedy? Are we being bold enough to reveal it to others? Are we telling them no wound is too far for God? So it's crazy because, like I said, the Lord has just been speaking so much to me, even just through a single verse. I love how he does that. Um, and I, it was funny because this, he wrecked me with this verse. And the next day I went into work and I actually had a patient who had a physical wound. And it was crazy. I, in um, you know, dealing with a patient, a lot of um, healthcare workers were upset because they said, oh, she's very particular or whatever, as they sort of were saying. And it was crazy because after reading this verse, I was allowed to see her from Jesus's perspective. I was allowed to go in there and see that this woman to the natural eye, natural eye, looks like she's particular and she's difficult and She's harsh and she's mean, but really the Lord was able to give me eyes to see her for her situation and what she's battling. And because the like I said, the Lord gave me insight to see the deeper issue. It wasn't that she was particular. It was that she wanted to be heard. 
She wanted to be understood for the pain that she was facing and she couldn't control her situation. So she was trying to control everything she could because that's the only way she knew how to cope with it. So now more than ever, people need Jesus. We need him so much because he brings restoration and he brings freedom. So what does Jesus, our remedy, mean for believers? So I felt the Lord saying, are we living in the inheritance the Lord intended for our lives? Are we letting the Father speak to those wounds um, of our hearts or that we've had that we've not given over to him? Do we believe we are fully healed? That one wrecked me is just thinking about that. Do we believe what he did on the cross for us? Do we believe his blood fully heals us? Do we believe that? So Jesus showed us what it looks like to walk out in authority on earth and died on the cross for our sins so we could live in that exact authority he walked in. He mirrored exactly what he wants us to do. So he endured our wounds in exchange for authority and inheritance, and we're healed with him. So in Song of Songs 4, verse 1, um, I love Song of Songs. I'll say it probably every time I speak, but he's talking to his bridegroom. So he's talking um, to to the believer who has asked him into his heart and yielded their heart to him. He says, you are like a sacrifice ready to be offered. So we're seen as perfect, redeemed, whole, and cleansed. Literally, that's how he sees us. That's how he sees his bride. So as believers, um, I feel like the Lord really wanted me to talk about what does it look like to walk out that, that um, healing and what it looks like to walk out authority with him. So the Holy Spirit led me um, to the wounds Jesus endured leading up to the cross and at the cross. And I felt him want to point out the significance of the wounds Jesus received and how it reflects what we as believers are called into. And I want to encourage you guys before I jump into this too. And it's, it's crazy because um, I'm like, wow, Easter's coming up. And I didn't even realize that he had just led me to this and was, was speaking into this. But I really want to encourage you guys to dive in to what he did for us on the cross. Because it wrecks your heart to know what he had to go through and what he had to face and the love that was there and is there for us. And I just, so I'm going to read a little bit of it because I feel like he just wants us to soak on it for a second. So I'm going to jump to Mark 15. um, And I'm going to read verses 16 through 20. And really just take in the words of what he had to go through. Um, leading up to the cross and at the cross. So verse 16 says, the soldiers took Jesus into the headquarters of the governor's compound and summoned a military unit of nearly 600 men. They placed a purple robe on him to make fun of him. Then they braided a victor's crown, a wreath made of thorns and set it on his head. And with a mock salute, they repeatedly cried out, Hail your majesty, king of Jews. They kept on spitting in his face and hit him repeatedly on the head with a reed staff, driving the crown of thorns deep into his brow. They knelt down before him in mockery, pretending to pay him homage. 
When they finished ridiculing him, they took off the purple robe. They put on his own clothes back on him and let him and led him away to be crucified. So I feel like the father took me to the head and the mind because of the crown um, that he faced on the cross and, and how, what it means for us as believers. And, um, and Mark, it talked about how the crown of thorns was being beaten into Jesus's brow. So the crown of thorns Jesus endures solidifies our inheritance with him. Our head and our mind are such a powerful thing for God's kingdom. And the enemy will do anything to keep us from kingdom mindsets. So it's funny, we've been talking about freedom and receiving. And I, we talked about communion, or last communion we were talking, and freedom and receiving were the two things that were put on my mind. And we spoke about those, and we, it was funny because we spoke about it last week at church, and I feel like it's still something we're speaking about. Um, but this week, I felt the Lord tell me it's, it's praise that brings freedom. So it's our worship. It's our worship that brings freedom. When we're in constant praise of the Lord is where freedom is found. And that's why so many times the enemy tries to get us so frustrated where, where we are in our situation or, man, the Lord's not meeting me in my word. Or he tries to tell you that lie that he's not meeting you in this. And you get frustrated and you get angry of Jesus. You know, what are you doing? What's going on in my life? Why is it happening? And it's because the enemy wants to keep you in frustration. And he wants to leave you in anger because he wants to keep you from praise. Because he knows what praise does. He knows it brings freedom. And it brings, I mean, it's just we're in awe of Jesus when we're praising him. So the freedom comes when we choose to declare the opposite of what we feel in those moments of frustration or sadness. Praise when we even feel the opposite. So the mockery that Jesus faced um, was emotional wounds. I mean, you hear of what they did. They stripped him and then put a purple robe on him and mocked him. And in John 19, verses 23 through 24, it talks about the guards divvying up the garments and how they're gambling over the garments. Um, and I felt the Lord say this relates to how the enemy um, feeds us regarding our salvation with the father. He tells us it's a gamble. He tells you, you have to earn it. He tells you you're failing. You're not loved. Like he tells us all of those things. He tells us it's a gamble, but it's not a gamble. Jesus gave himself freely for us, freely for us. And that's, uh, he, he died for our inheritance. Like sometimes we take what we want of the inheritance just because it's good for us, but really we could have it all. Like that's, he wants us to have it all. That's how good of a father he is. He wants us to have it all. He wants us to walk in that freedom. The soldiers were so distracted by the clothing because they thought, oh, I'm earning something. Oh, I'm getting a piece of cloth. Like, but in fact, they're missing out on Jesus. And they're so distracted. So let's not be the distracted one that's that's looking at, oh, I'm going to get clothes from this. And you know what I mean? Like looking at the perspective of, oh, I can earn this. But really, we're losing eyes on Jesus. 
So in 2 Corinthians um, or chapter 10, verses 5 through 6, um, the Lord, or it says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. So we have authority over our thoughts. When those, those thoughts come rushing in and you feel anxious and you feel overwhelmed, we have authority over those to speak to those and tell them, no, 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 no. You have no place. You have no place. And I, I've been reading this book called Victorious Emotions and it's, it's wrecking me. But it, um, one thing that they had said is, are we taking authority and declaring scripture, what scripture says? Or are we taking our situation and comparing it to scripture? So I'm like, whew. Like when you really think on that, let me say that again. So when we're, when we're, um, comparing, it says, are you taking scripture and declaring it over your situation? Or are you taking your situation and comparing it to scripture? So scripture is what we are to go off of. We are to be declaring that. Not what our situation is and then, oh, Jesus, step in, please. Like, no, we have the choice to partner with his truth and to speak his truth. So then I was led to the wounds on his feet. So the nails that were drived into his feet. And I felt the Lord um, lead me to read about when he was washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. So John 13, uh, verses 4 through 15, it says, So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I have set for you and washed one another's dirty feet. Now do for them what I have just done for you. So down in the subtext of the Bible, um, for um, this section where it's talking about Jesus wiping the disciples' feet, um, it said every defilement would be removed so that they could place the sole of their feet upon the new covenant inheritance. So isn't it crazy to think about how Jesus literally foreshadowed wound cleansing before he received the wounds and he cleansed ours? Like, I'm like, that's wild to think about. That's really crazy. It's like, that's what I'm telling you, definitely get into this and read about the crucifixion and just leading up to it because there's so many symbols and different things that I feel like the Lord wants to breathe into and reveal to you about the process because there's so much goodness in it. Um, But he prepares our hearts by cleansing them so we can receive all that he has for us. So it's funny, he literally washed their feet. And like I said, he, he went on the cross and cleansed our wounds. So we as believers walk out new covenant inheritance. And when we are walking in that new covenant, we must share it with others. We must wash their feet so that they too can know a life with Jesus. And this is sharing testimonies. This is sharing, like I feel like recently the Lord's been speaking to me about, we need to testify about what he does in our lives. Those little moments that you think, oh, somebody somebody doesn't need to hear that. Somebody doesn't need to know about that. No, they do. They do. We need to testify of how the Lord moves in our hearts and share with others. 
So are we, wa- are we washing others' feet and showing them what Jesus has done unto us? So then next, the wounds of his hands. And the first thing that came to mind, I'm like, oh, okay, laying of hands was the first thing, which I felt the Lord said, yes, that is important, but I feel like I'm going in a different direction. So I'm like, okay. So I felt led um, that he was leading me to the work of our hands for his kingdom. So we are his hand and feet on this earth. And if we're not partnering with the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, who is? I mean, we really have to think about that. If we're not partnering with him in every day of how we're walking out, then who is? So um, recently, um, the Father has been speaking so much to me about creating with him and just the different passions that he's put in my heart um, that I didn't realize he instilled, like, instilled in me, I guess. And one of them has just been clothing. I absolutely have so much fun, like, figuring out an outfit or Um, getting dressed for the day. That's just one of my excitements with him for the day. And I felt the Lord reveal that to me, that that's something he's instilled in my heart. And I'm like, wow, clothing? I never thought, like, I never thought that was something that he put in me. But I'm like, wow, he's just been stirring up my heart so much and meeting me in those moments where I've been creating outfits, like I'm enjoying it with him, like literally hand in hand with him. And I feel like he's inviting us to like create with him create with him in the business place and meeting him. If you're a gardener, meeting him in the garden while you're gardening your flowers and talking to him, or if you're sitting down and you love to play the piano, um, but sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not the best at the piano, but just sitting down with him. And if you're passionate about him, create with him. He wants to join in that with you. If you're going to get coffee and just inviting him into your coffee, or inviting him into woodworking, or getting your nails done, things you're, that you don't realize, ask him about those things that he's instilled in your heart a passion for. Because it's not, it's not there for nothing, you know? So our lives shouldn't just be, stop at like, okay, I'm meeting the Father in quiet time. Okay, now I'm going to go about my daily life. Like, yes, I'm not saying quiet time isn't vital. It is so vital and so important. But we need to take that out. We need to take it out. And we need to share it. And our lives reflect him. And I just feel like um, let's walk out that authority that has been given to us as believers. So recently um, I was listening to a sermon uh, by Jasmine Tate, and she had made this, she was talking about, she was sharing that testimony basically about how she went to go get a massage and um, she walked into the room and she said that there was like Buddhist stuff all over the wall and she said, hmm. she said, you know, we as believers naturally would be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go into that place because I don't know what she's going to do to me type thing. And she said she went straight up to the things and she rebuked them. And she laid down, and she's like, okay, Jesus, like, have your way in this. Like, have your way in this massage. And it's crazy because the, the lady ends up getting wrecked while she's working on her. It's funny. You, like, it's funny how she talks about it because the lady said, oh, like, something about how she channels the music she listens to, I think is what it was. And Jasmine's like, oh, do you care if I play some of my music? Like, and... She's like, yeah, I, I usually channel the spirit I listen to. She goes, okay, you go ahead and channel it because it was worship music. It was her worship music. She goes, yeah, you go ahead and channel that. You channel that spirit. I'm going to let you. And she said, 
she literally just laid there and got a massage. And this woman is like getting wrecked, like just saying things out like, oh, wounds just left my body or this just happened. Oh, like she's like, and Jasmine's like, oh, like she's just like getting a massage. And so it's just like crazy to think like we as believers, and I too have, I'm definitely at fault for this. I walk and I'm like, oh no, I need to leave this place because it's not, it doesn't have him on it. But it's like, no, walking in the authority and knowing that when we walk in that room, we need to bring the light. We need to bring the light into that room because there's darkness there and we have authority over the darkness because the Lord's within us. And so it's walking in that. We're not going to turn away from the darkness because the darkness bows to the light. It bows to Jesus. So walking in there and affecting that room because you have him in your heart. So let's give opportunities to the Holy Spirit and not run from them. Because I feel like in those moments, like we could so easily walk out of like, oh, I don't know about this. But like, do we believe we're fully healed? Because if we believe we're fully here, we're going to walk in there and we know the Lord's going to wreck their hearts. And the Lord's going to do something in that meeting because you spent quiet time with him and he's on you. He's on you and you're going to go out and you're going to share him. So in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, it says, So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. So do we have unshakable confidence that the Lord is moving in us always? He's always moving in us? Or do we only think he moves in those moments where we feel him most? Or only when it feels right? speaking so much to me about fragrance too and I felt like he wanted me to speak on this as well because it's um, his fragrance that's upon us when we're in constant communion um, with him so we are creating with him and meeting with him day to day when we're doing those things that he's instilled those gifts he's instilled within us and we're creating with him and we're inviting him in his scent is on us his scent is on us so I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, so what does it look like? And I, he brought me back to my childhood of like when my cousins would come over and they'd leave like a sweatshirt there. And I'm like, I don't remember whose sweatshirt this was. And you could smell it. And you're like, oh, that's, that's my cousin Mitchell's because that's my Aunt Robin's house. Like you could tell the scent. You knew where it belonged, like where the sweatshirt belonged. And I felt like the Lord said, this is, this is what it is like when you spend time with me. My fragrance is on you. My scent is on you. And you go out and they know, whether they know it or not, they know, like they sense Jesus in you. They sense that scent on you. I mean, I mean, and thinking about it too, it's like, have you ever met a believer, like a stranger, and you're walking out and you recognize the fragrance of Jesus on them? You're, you don't even like connect and you don't even ask him fully, you know, is Jesus in your life? Um, but you just like recognize the scent of Jesus on them. And you're like, man, like, you know, he's on them. Like you can see it. So father, what does it look like to be saturated in your scent? Because I want a smell of your sweet aromas. I want to draw others in unto you, Jesus. I am yours and I want your fragrance upon me, on my life. So when we're creating with him, 
it's like leaving a scent behind on it too. And so even those moments, like I said, if you're working out in your garden and you're meeting him in the garden and you're creating with the flowers with him or you're meeting him in woodworking um, and you're chopping up wood. I I should know more about woodworking. Sorry, Noah. But like you're meeting him in those woodworking moments. I'm trying to relate to the men here. But but it's like leaving his scent behind because you're – creating with him in those moments. And so like thinking about like, I'll use pathway for an example, like a table. And if you're creating with him and meeting in those moments, and as you're doing that, that's going onto somebody's house and you're leaving an ascent behind on it. You're leaving his fragrance on it when it goes into the house, when it goes to a customer. So looking at life from that perspective and all that we do Like his fragrance is on him when we're spending time with him and we're meeting him in it. It's going out. He reminded me of like fresh chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Like when you're in the kitchen and oh, mom's making fresh chocolate chip cookies. It just draws you in. The scent, you're like, yes. Or oatmeal cookies if you're an oatmeal cookie. I don't know. Maybe you're not a chocolate chip. But it just, the scent draws you in. That good smell just pulls you right on in. And that's what he does. That's what he does in the things that we create with him with. He's drawing us in because we smell something and we're like, I can't get enough of that. I need that. I need him. So then in Song of Songs 4, sorry, I'm kind of jumping back to that. It it speaks of, um, it was in verse 13, I believe. And it speaks of aloe. And in the subtext um, down at the bottom, it talked about how aloe is considered a healing balm and stated that the presence of the Lord within her is released as a healing balm to those she touches. So, and it was crazy because looking at the definition of a healing balm, it said definition, oh, sorry, I'm repeating myself, um, to repair by natural causes. So it's funny, the Lord is restoring what man destroyed. He intended for us to live a perfect life and to walk out in his fullness. And it's like he's literally restoring what man destroyed so we can walk into that. And he loves us so much that he gives us free will to choose it. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. He loves us so much because he has option to choose it. But anyway, it talked about, and in scripture, it talks about how Jesus' robe smelled of aloe. Um, so even too, I'm like with the fragrance, that's just like sweet to think about how he literally smelled of aloe. He's like literally the healing balm walking around and his fragrance. People just want to touch it. They want to have it. So, um, I feel like the Lord just wants to say, so what scent do we want to radiate off? Do we want to radiate the foul odor of a wound or of an infection, or um, or do we want to radiate of his precious fragrance of the Father who made you new? Um, yeah, so I just I just and want to encourage you guys too in those moments of meeting him, leading up to Easter, and reflecting on all of the things that he did on the cross for us. I also want to encourage you to be intentional with him and ask him about the passions of your heart. The things, those gifts, like I said, he's instilled in you. And I just um, encourage you to create with him. Invite him in. And to photography. Into painting. Into 
doing the dishes, into all of those things in the daily life. Um, but we're literally leaving his fragrance everywhere we go. So Jesus speaks to our wounds and he gives us eyes to see others' wounds. So let's be a healing bomb wherever we go because we're partnering with him. Jesus, we just thank you for your presence in this place, Jesus. We thank you for the ways that you speak and the ways that you move and how it's literally always perfect timing, Jesus. We just thank you so much for what you did on the cross for us, Jesus. We thank you for the wounds that you endured for us, Jesus, because you love us so much, Father. Just let us soak in that love. If somebody needs to understand that love that you have for us, Jesus, just let it soak in and let us just be wrecked by what you did for us on the cross, Jesus. Show us your love, Jesus. Speak to the wounds of our hearts. Speak to the wounds that we're battling, Father, that we don't even recognize that are there, Father. Show us how to partner with who you are and what you say. And let it be an ease to do that, Jesus. That it's just so quickly that we're able to partner with what you say, Jesus. And just shut down the enemy's lies and rebuke them because they have no place, Jesus. We thank you so much, Jesus, that you take the time to speak into our wounds, Father. You care so much, Jesus, that you want us to be free and to be full, fully healed, Jesus, in you, Father. So we just thank you for what your blood did, Father, and we receive it completely and fully for ourselves, Jesus. That every day we wake up and we remind ourselves of what you did for us, Jesus, on the cross, Father. That we're reminded of the wounds that you took, Father, so that we don't have to feel them. Father, show us what it looks like to create with you in the day-to-day, Jesus. Show us the beautiful gifts that you've instilled deep down within us that we don't even know are there, Father, that you've placed them there, and they are just going to rise up right now, Father. We just call those gifts to rise up in Jesus' name, to rise up, that no more fear No more lack of confidence has no place for those moments of creating with you, Jesus. Saturate us in your scent, Father. Stir up a hunger for quiet time with you. Stir up a hunger to be filled up with you, Father, in the word and in quiet time with you, Father, Meet us in our prayer life. Stir up a hunger to pray, to declare, to believe the things that you say, Jesus. We thank you so much that your scent is on us and we are yours, Father. We yield our hearts to you, Father. We yield our hearts to you and to what you say, Jesus. Have your way in our hearts, Father.
We thank you for the unshakable confidence that you give us, Jesus, to know that you're on us in everything that we do. When we spend time with you, Father, we just thank you for the the hearts that are going to be wrecked, Father. The second we leave this building, Jesus, that your sweet aromas just spread out to Marion, Ohio. They spread out to Columbus, Ohio, to Upper Sandusky, to Nevada, Ohio, to Mansfield, Ohio, Jesus. We just thank you for the sweet aromas that are taking place right now in these very moments with you, Jesus. The very moments that you're speaking to us in these moments, Father, it's creating sweet aromas to share to non-believers, to others that don't know you, Jesus. We thank you for the confidence to believe that in those moments, it doesn't always have to look like a conversation with somebody. We just are going to believe you're on those moments and that you're moving in those moments, sometimes when it doesn't necessarily feel like it. You're such a good, good dad, Jesus. Just have your way, Father. Have your way in your people. Rise up. Rise up your people, Jesus. 